Welcome to Dig Deeper with Danny and Jade. Today's guest is a self-ordained Greek historian and mythology expert. To add further merit to his standing as a self-ordained expert in all things Greek, he also owns an old-school HQ Monaro fully worked. It's what us ethnics would call fully sick. Sam, welcome. Thank you. Nice to be here. And it's and it's just fully worked. The fully sick part comes along later. Plus, I've got uh, another another Monaro as well. So that's two Monaros, and it's supercharged as well. <laughs> hey, double that's the greatness! It, that's it. <laughs> I forgot you got the old school Monaro and the yeah, modern Monaro. Thirty yeah? years apart. That's right. So thanks so much for joining us today, Sam. Uh, one of the reasons why why Denny and I wanted to have you on our podcast is because we really admire um, your patriotism and, and your passion for Greek culture and Denny being Greek himself and me being recently married to Denny. It was it was really nice to every time we come over and you, you share stories about about Greece. It's just always really refreshing. Did you like our drinking games? Did you like our drinking games at the wedding? At the wedding, <laughs> outstanding, absolutely outstanding, yeah. and everyone yeah, was joining in. Time. <laughs> that, 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 that a bit of a hard time, a bit, a bit too hard on the glass, but it's all right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, but one of the really special things, I think, is the fact that you've been able to continuously just, you know, share share those stories with family and friends but especially with your kids and, and ensuring that that culture and history gets passed on. So what is it about being Greek and, and about Greek culture that you love and enjoy so much? Well, first and foremost, like I've said before, um, you learn your history, you're not bound to, this, to make the same mistakes. So history, I think, plays a big role in our education. I've, I've, luckily, the kids have taken to it and they really enjoy uh, our Greek history, mythology, all that sort of things and the excuses Greeks had for things that they couldn't really understand. So basically, they're really good bullshit artists. But it was fun, <laughs> and it's enjoyable to listen to. What, what is the, I guess, the, what's the biggest part of the culture that you feel is misunderstood about, about the Greek community? Well, they throw us all into a melting pot, I think. All wogs are just like, they're all wogs, but... It's it's more than that. We're we're culturally significant in a lot of countries, from what I've seen. I've gone, I've travelled, lucky enough to be to tra- travelled along the world, around the world, and every time I'm say I say I'm Greek, they all say, "Oh, you must be very proud." I said, well, "I'm proud of my history, but our future's not too good at the moment." But the, the history's fantastic, and um, I, I try to um, differentiate ourselves in matters where we educated a lot of the world. We um, didn't do too much at a certain time of, of, of through history, but in the beginning, if you didn't read or write Greek, you weren't regarded as educated. Actually, up to I think the 1800s was the same. When there were world meetings up to about 1890 or something like that, just before the 1900s, if they had, there was world meetings, they all spoke Greek because it was a common language then. Wow. wow I had no so, idea. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> so how did that well, sort of, um, how did that, I don't want to use the word collapse, but when did that change? You know, why, why well, wasn't that something that, that continued? Here's the thing. Greek is a very difficult language to learn, and I think the Greeks did it on purpose because the ancient Greeks were very racist. There was two types of people back then. There were Greeks and there were barbarians, nothing else. So the Greek language becomes, as you know, Danny, becomes very, very difficult. You from a Greek background, you also find it difficult to speak because you can say one word and it means one thing in this sentence. The same word can mean something different, completely different, 
in another sentence. It goes around it. So that that difficulty is, I think, the, what killed that because they they voted on what language to use on inter, 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 international meetings, and they went with English because it was much easier to learn. Anyone could learn it. I've got when I, when we went to Greece the first time, Desi and I. One of my relatives was seven years old, and she could read our books that we brought from Australia that occupy our time. And she read them and understood them, and she was seven years old. So it's an easy language to learn. That's why they preferred to go with English. Right. So were you, you were born in Australia, or were you born in Greece? I was born in Greece, but we left that um, when I was about two and a half, three years old. So pretty right. much. So most Australia. of your life growing up in Australia. So who was it that passed on? Because someone would have had to pass on a lot of this history to you as well, and 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 share those stories with you. So yeah, well, nothing. Who that was that to person for like, you? What happened with us? Like many Greeks in Australia, we came to Australia. We did well. Dad said, "Oh, let's go back to Greece," which we did. And I went to Greece when I was fourteen. Went to school there for two years. Came back when I was sixteen. When I was sixteen, life. Uh, once you live in Australia, you can't live anywhere else because it's the best country to live in. So we went back there. I picked up a lot of Greekness. I found that afterwards that even psychologically, you build up your, your most of your character from the time of 14 to about 17. That's when you become who you are. And I was in Greece at the time, so I became Greek. What can I say? And I picked up a lot of, <laughs> I picked up a lot of things. Dad was a, was a staunch um, uh, Greek uh, Greek whatever I call him, or historian too. He knew heaps of that sort of thing. And I'd listen to him as well. And he always used to say, you can't do that. Why? Because we don't think it's right culturally. Like um, you go to a person's house, they offer you something to drink. doesn't matter whether you want it or not, you take it. Because if you don't take it, you're offending your host. I could understand that mm. to the point where they give you a backhander, just bloody drink it, will you? So I drink it. <laughs> it's a big thing. In fact, the ancient laws, the worst thing you can do, that's when we had the, uh, the 12 gods of Olympus, the worst thing you do was kill blood, well, so like kill a relative, a brother, a father, a mother, whatever. The second worst thing that they that you could do would be a bad host. So they held it in very, very high regard. Wow. Yeah. Say so death or bad host. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, one and two. Anything else doesn't matter. You could kill someone. Wow. Oh, well, you know what happens if they're blood? It's, it's frowned upon. But if you're a bad host, oh, you can't do that. And so, like. One thing I, I'd like to, to hear your thoughts on, because I really like you know, just listening to you talk, basically, Sam. So Greece had such a impact on the world culture for such a long time. And then, as you say, since like those late 1800s, it's, it's sort of fallen away and, and become almost like, I remember dur- during the JC, our culture was seen as being lazy. So what's, what's the reason for that massive breakdown from, from, once, from where it w- once was? No, I'll tell in you in one quick word. Our, um, our, our occupation. We were occupied by the Ottomans for 450 years. The fact that we can still speak Greek and still have anything to do with Greekness is a miracle. 450 years, if there was more than nine people in a room, the Turks would kill them because they're plotting against them. Oh. So it's so hard. I mean, if, if you go to Greece now, you'll find little churches in the top of mountains, uh, in, in forests deep where you couldn't find them unless you know where to go because that's where we held our secret schools. And the schools were actually in the roof. So if someone walked in, they saw the priest there and no one else. But there were nine to ten kids up in the roof learning their language, learning their culture, learning their history. It's very hard to sustain. I mean, if you look, if, if you look at Greeks now, you'll see average height, dark hair, dark skin. That's not a Greek. 
Greek were, Greeks were tall, fair skin, fair hair. If you look at all the old um, uh, sculptures, all the old paintings, they were the original Aryan race. Am I right in saying, Sam, that Hitler actually um, one of the Greeks as, a, as an ally initially because he thought they were the Aryan race or something like that? Well, not, not really. If, if, uh, with that, that's an extreme because Hitler was a bit of a megalomaniac, so it's pretty hard to think. But... <laughs> What happened yeah. was when, when when Germany would hold rallies in Germany, they were dressed in togas. And who created togas? It was the Greek. Greek. It, was, it was Greek. You know what I mean? So, but here's another thing too about the Germans. When when they started the Second World War, the only general they allowed to inspect the troops was the Greek general because it was the only country that offered them any kind of resistance. Everyone else just fell. Denmark handed the crown over to, to the to the messenger of Hitler. Uh, France was a superpower, fell in a week and a half, almost two weeks. Mm. It took something like almost two months to, 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 to win over Greece. And when they finally did, they went into Russia during winter, which is what killed them. We delayed them that much, they lost the war. I mean, um, Winston Churchill at the time was the, probably one of the biggest, uh, smartest people on the planet. And he said, when he found out that Greece finally fell to the Germans, he said, well, might we say that the Greeks fight like heroes what we shall say from now on is heroes fight like Greeks. Because wow. of the amount of damage. We That's caused so them. cool. That's so powerful. That's amazing. Yeah, the, amount of damage, the amount of damage we caused them. And they stopped using paratroopers after going to Greece because we, we just annihilated them. They couldn't use, they stopped using paratroopers. They, they, got, they sustained that much damage. They would say that we'd fly over countries and when they hear the Mitchell they go and hide. But when they'd fly over Greece and we'd hear the planes, everyone would come out of where they were hiding and shoot at the planes. <laughs> so it's, it's a big turnaround. And that culture, that, that, that's, what, that's where I get really offended when people say Greeks are lazy. No, they're not lazy. They've got a lot on their shoulders at the moment because people come in, governments try and come in, they try to fix things. There's um, underlining powers that direct them what to do, what to say, how to do it, and they just throw their arms up in disgust and just walk out. Meanwhile, the country's left in disarray. Um, the last one, uh, Papandreou, he was actually educated in, uh, in America, and I heard him um, at an interview in an, on an American channel, speaking in Amer- speaking English, the guy spoke very, very eloquently and he was and he very educated, obviously, by the way he spoke. And he'd say, I tried to implement change. I tried to change their attitude and they don't want nothing of it. If you're not born and raised in Greece, all you are is some xeno trying to tell you try to tell us how to live our lives. That's the attitude they have, which has to change. I reckon it'll, it'll take at least three generations to turn them around because if they don't teach their kids from now, to stop saying, why should I do it? He should do it first. That's not going to change. And that's the attitude they have. Do you think it's possible for them to change that attitude, though, and, and become, you know, the, the people that they, they, they once were and that, they should you know, be. they should be? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I'm, I'm happy to say that every time I go to Greece, I see a slight change for the better, always with attitude. Um, years ago, we'd go there and, and they'd be – Dogs from just running around the streets. Now they, they see a dog, they'll feed it, they'll they'll bring it in, they'll collect it, they'll, they'll even take it to a home or whatever. But everything about them is, is coming up to, to par. Uh, like I said, it's very difficult to try and feed a stray dog when you don't have anything to eat for yourself. That's changing. So with that, with that change, comes a lot of good stuff as well. You well, know what I mean? It's, you say so like that change. It's getting better and better all the time. Like with that change, we, I, yeah. I reckon the most significant thing that we can see recently is how Greece performed during 
and currently performing during the, the epi- epidemic that we've gone through. One of the best, if not the best, performing European nations that, you know. You're right. You're right. It's not one of the best. It's the best performing in, in Europe. Exactly. I think just over 100 deaths, where others have, you know, 25, 30,000 uh, people dying. But it's Greek attitude. When, when they're in times of trouble, you can rely on them. There is nothing. I mean, all the wars, all the wars were the same thing. One of Desi's uncles was in the Korean War, and he said that when when the Americans found out that the Greeks had come in on their side to where they were, they were, they were throwing their arms up in cheer because they thought, oh, finally, we're going to have people that aren't afraid. The Greeks would, would fight during the day against the Koreans or whoever they were fighting in the Boer War or all those places, and at night they'd be dancing and singing and, and playing bouzouki. <laughs> and everyone was going, hang on, they can see you. He said, doesn't matter. If we die, we die. And they'd play... And what it would do would scare the enemy because they're thinking they're, they're laying a trap for us to come closer, and when we get closer to them to shoot them, or whatever, they'll be around us. But they they weren't doing that; they were just enjoying their lives, and it would lead the enemy to leave. There were stories that tell me they'd get up in the, the next the next day to follow up where the enemies were, and they've left their camp and they've gone 50, 50 miles down the road because they're scared. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it works. It works. It works to our advantage. Don't fear it. And what can I say? It's, it's, it works in your advantage. Yeah, like no, I, I was just going to say, um, I think also with the with the COVID-19 stuff, Greece actually sent um, or, 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 yeah, sent a few uh, doctors from Greece. I'm not sure to which country. I don't know if it was Germany or the UK to actually assist because they had the capacity yeah. to assist another country and they did that quite early yeah, as well. Yeah. So I think it speaks to, mm-hmm. you know, the 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 attitude of the Greeks, you know, community and, and being so quick to help others as well. Jade, I remember when, when um, what happened was we were travelling to Greece and, um, oh, sorry, I think I was by myself at that stage, and um, the Turks were always giving us a bit of trouble. They, they were almost at the brink of collapse. Their economy was very bad and they were um, buzzing our planes uh, like they'd sent up fighters to, to – to um, fly next to jumbo jets with passengers, obviously, the um, tourists, and it would scare them all. Um, they'd send in um, uh, patrol boats to, to bash into the side of um, tourist boats, causing trouble, meaning they wanted to start a war because their, their economy was that bad that only a war would save them. So Greeks kept on saying, you know, leave us alone, go away, whatever. Eventually it stopped. It didn't go – actually, it slowed down. It didn't stop completely, but then – Turkey had a, an earthquake, and out of all the countries that went there, the Greeks were there first, helping Turkey after all that, even though they did that. Of course, after that, they stopped everything. They, they never lifted a hand again until this new bloke, Erga Khan, came in, whoever he is. He's, he's given us a bit of grief now, but that, that, that's that's they are. If you, it doesn't matter who you are. If you need help, we're going to help you. It's that simple. And so, Sam, one of the things <clears throat> when I was younger that I found very Greek, okay, and to be honest, I didn't know I was Greek until like I was eight years old. I remember when my parents told me, I was like, what? I ran across the road to my best mate who was very Australian and we both freaked out. Then we went to his mum and we're like, is this true? Anyway, the point of that is one thing I did find very Greek and as a young, as a young kid and a young man was the car culture. Oh, yeah. How did the car culture become so, you know, in sync with being Greek as well? Because that was a thing. You know, that, that's a hard question to answer, Danny, because it was an expensive hobby, you know, and cars weren't cheap ever. I mean, even now, 
I mean, I'm, I put a supercharger on the car, and that's, I mean, I've, I, I didn't pay that kind of money for it, but now it's worth up to 10, 15,000 bucks just to buy the bloody thing, you know? So I, I can't understand how we got involved in it. I mean, I know our parents like to buy big cars, flashy cars, because back in Greece, well, yeah, it was a bloody donkey or a horse if you were lucky. <laughs> you know, and you come here, and you've got just this array of these fantastic cars, and no one would buy Valiants because, oh, they weren't very nice. And we thought, why not? They're nice cars. And they end up being the strongest and fastest cars on the bloody road. So we're buying these nice cars, and big cars, and it just filtered through. I mean, my dad almost bought a Monaro himself, but the only reason why he didn't because he only had two doors and there was five of us in the family. So he said, oh, your mum wouldn't like it, so we let it go. But, um, yeah, they were always involved in that sort of thing, and I think that carried on to us, but we took it the next step. So we, we, we customised the cars. We bit of extra horsepower, more sound, wider tyres, uh, paint job, different paint job, things like that, you know. We just do it the next level. And, like, now it's gone the next level again where it's all computerised. You jump on a computer, fiddle around with a laptop, <laughs> hook it up to the car, and off you go. Do you think, like, with the, the car culture, do you think part of it was the, the younger Greeks actually just meeting other younger Greeks and having something in common besides their last names or their school stuff, they had something else to bond over? Yeah, I think that plays a big role, definitely, because it's, it's a culture that, um, that I thought I think we, we played a big role in it because if you look back through our history, even in America, some of the biggest names in the world as far as car culture goes is um, a Greek. I'll give you an example. Uh, Farris, I think it's Farris. I can't remember his name. I think it's Farris. He made the, the Batmobile. Oh wow! Oh, huh, there you the go. Yeah. If you go all the way back, Wait, which to, one? Wait, which Batmobile? Because the there's, the there's certain the ones that I like. Back in the sixties. Okay. The original. Oh, Batman. right. The, the Wham Bam one. That's the one. Yeah. He built that car. He built the uh, the Munsters car. He built the Monkeys car. Oh wow! You know what I mean, so he was he got involved. He was the biggest name in customized exotic cars back then, and he was Greek. You know the. There's, um, there's a company called SoCal in, in California, all speed shop. The two guys that, that started that from the 60s, both Greek. So there's always that, car, always, always that car, car culture involved in us. I think, like I said, to do because back in Greece you couldn't afford anything and there wasn't much to do with cars anyway. So you come out here and you see this plethora of, of options at, at, at your feet. You could do whatever you want and go as fast as you want and hot it up and do whatever you like. So went for it. And it carries on. It's still going. One of the things that I'm um, always most proud of in terms of like my background, I don't, I don't feel very, very Greek to be honest with you, but one of the things I'm super proud of is when we look back at our lineage, lineage right? Like I'm third generation. Two generations ago, my grandparents arrived here with nothing. Yep. They were able to do, you know, they did what they did and, and they did and grew their, their success and their wealth. Then my, then my parents have obviously improved from there. Then I've improved from there. Um, that's something that I'm actually very, very proud of, the fact that each generation of Greeks that have come to Australia, for the most part, seem to do better as well. Where does that become a self-perpetuating thing? Because it feels like it's just what we do. We just keep stepping up, you know? Like, where does that come from? Um, it's, it's the what, what our parents are still in us is to be a hard worker and to be proud of yourself. You can't be a proud person if you're sitting there bludge, bludging at home doing nothing. So what, what I used to say to mum too is she say to me, what will people say? I said, I don't care what people say. But she says, you have to because you live in a culture. And if that culture um, has something to do with you, well, 
they're not going to think much of you if you're not worth something to you, if you're not anything worth anything to yourself. And you know, back then when I was young, I didn't think much of it. But as you get older, you think, yeah, ninety nine point nine percent of the things your parents say make sense because they have life experience and they they can they can pass it on to you. That's why I think it's the same thing. I mean, we're doing the same thing. We work hard. We 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 do above the average hours per week, but it's nothing that I think anything of because it's just instilled into us. You know what I mean? Mum used to do 14 hours a day on the sewing machine at home. You know, and I'd say, Mum, have a rest. I've got to finish this off because if you won't, if, if I if I don't do this, he mightn't like me or uh, he might take it somewhere else. I'm like, oh, bloody hell. But unfortunately, she rubbed off on me. So I'm doing things as well now. You know, mm -hmm. the extra hours. You know, oh, Sam, I need you here. Yeah, no problem. I'll, I'll do it. No worries. You know what I mean? It, it, it's a one good thing. One thing that's um, rubbed off on, on me is the the desire that my children be in a better position than I got into. Like my, if I think about the position that I was available to, able to be in as an adult because of what my grandparents did and then my parents did, I feel like it's, I actually feel like it's my duty it's to carry that forward and make sure, yeah, make sure my children are in a way better position than I am at the same time. Yeah. You know, whether that means, you know, uni or money, whatever it is, my, my duty is to make sure they're better, yeah. Hundred percent, and th and that's and that's what they instill in you. you. You you take your life or your kids' life better than where you you started off from. You know what I mean? You you, you got to give them that extra step because especially now in Australia, things are being so expensive. If you don't help your kids, they're not going to ever own uh, your own home, their own home. It's just ridiculously ever mm. possible at the moment. So you take that well, as well. Yeah, okay? and I think that's that's also just to what you said, Sam. I think that's one of the things that actually sets. Greek families and Greek communities apart from other cultures. So I think it's like that aspect that you're talking about, Denny, is it, it's not just about being a parent as well. It is mm. really instilled within the Greek community. Even if you're yeah, not related to each other, like, yeah. you know, that you Greek will help that other person, you know. Yeah. Attitude, it doesn't take a parent to, to uh, raise a child. It takes an entire village to raise a child. Mm. So what that means is yep. everyone has to help. You can't just say, "Oh, you're right here now, fend for yourself." No, that's not how it works. You've got to, you've got to help them and give them direction, no matter how old they are. I mean, my, my parents didn't stop telling me what to do until I was bloody married. Oh, you should do this. Should do <laughs> Let me make my own. Wait, 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 Sam, hold on. Are you telling me it does stop? Because I've been. This is my second marriage now. I'm in my mid thirties, oh, and it still hasn't stopped. Yeah, well, it'll never stop. <laughs> it'll never stop, mate. And you know what? If it does stop. Then you'll be upset because hey, what's going on? Doesn't he care anymore? Definitely, believe me. I look, love it. Look, look through through all those challenges, and there's through all those challenges, and there's even been times where, as a family, we haven't been on best of terms. I never once felt, I never once felt that I couldn't ask for help. Like I, no matter what had happened, no matter how bad we had fought, fought, no matter if I didn't speak to him for like six months, a year, I knew that. When I needed that help, and if I needed that help, they were there. And to be honest, that actually happened to me. Like we went through a period where, when I moved to New Zealand, and we were as close as we were, and didn't speak very much. But then shit happened. Life got really bad, and I needed them. And straight away, they were there. And uh, I, one of the most sorry, I'll interrupt you for a second. Just by saying what you've said, then that that makes me feel that your parents were successful as parents, because that's what you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be a, a, a support system for your kids. But even that, like, Sam, like, I think the the biggest moment for that when I came back and I needed that help and I tried to be super independent, Sam. I, I made moves to, to be independent of them so I didn't need their help. 
Yeah. And so these things happen and I needed help. Um, but one of the best things that to this to this day was the fact that we had issues. I didn't have to go begging for help. I didn't have to discuss what had happened before. The slate was clean. There's a new line in the sand. Let's move forward. And oh, yeah. it just it was just very freeing for me. You know, I didn't have to rehash anything. It was just like so let's, let's just get on with it, man. You're absolutely right. When it comes to kids, that's how they are. As you said, clean slate, start again, off you go. If you were a friend or someone else, they'd never speak to you again. But that, that's a good thing, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Funny, there's one extreme to the other. You know, they'll, they'll bend over backwards, they'll help you out no matter what was said and done. It's all under the, dusted under the carpet. Now off we go for the next chapter. But, you know, then again, having said that, if someone pisses you off for a neighbour or bloke down the road, you won't even go to the funeral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the um, So what's your hope for your your family and your culture? So if the opportunity comes and be, become a grandfather, what is the kind of commuting culture that you want to have within your family? Like you said, support. That's all you can do. That's all you can offer. Mm. You can um, talk to your kids till the cows come home. If they're not going to listen, they're not going to listen. But if you're there to support them, They'll come around and think, yeah, maybe they, they they are doing the right thing and saying the right thing. You know what I mean? Support is all you can do and I think all you should do. And do you think that your kids, I mean, obviously you have passed quite a bit of um, history and, and, and stories onto them. Do you think that, you know, how, how will they preserve that? How will they share that with with their kids, are they are they quite keen, or are they like, oh, yeah. dad, like you no, know, no, you know what? Bother me yeah. stories again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they do that. They say that sometimes, but that's because I, I say it a lot. But you know, the guy from that um, the movie, my big fat Greek wedding, the father. Yes, yes. They liken me. They liken me to him. That's yes, how I, I would agree I, with that. Yes, I, I just say he's Windex. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> but the thing is, but the thing is, they they appreciate it and they they love it. And if you ask them what they are. They always say they're Greek. I mean, they're Australian and they say it and they love it and they love the country and we do too. We wouldn't be here where we are now if it wasn't for such a lovely country. But if you ask them what, what nationality they are, they'll always tell you they're Greek. So they've instilled that in them. Mm. Then they say, well, I'm, I'm Australian, but I'm from a Greek background. You know what I mean? And that's why I try and tell mm. them. Because I think I might have installed too much Greek in them. But, yeah, <laughs> they, they say that. They, like, they say first Greek. I'm, I'm very fortunate that. I've married Jade because Jade, whether it's her Jamaican background or just how she was raised, actually says shares a lot of similarities to to myself and to our culture, which is really really easy for me. It makes it great. Good. Like I know for me, like I'm not sure how much of my Greek culture and heritage will be passed on to our kids. Like we do want them to probably go to Greek school and things like that. I'm not sure how much we'll get to them if it gets better or gets worse. Let me quickly interrupt. One too. thing that we have in common, though, let me quickly is say that one thing. If if you yeah. do learn the Greek language, other languages become easier because all the big words that you use in English. I have heard guess that. What they're Greek. Mm. I have heard yeah. that. But um, one of the things that I feel that we will pass on successfully is the fact that we expect them to do better. You know, with their own lives as well. Mm. Um, yeah, and that's, that's something that's that very Greek of you. Yeah. Very Greek of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's Jay Jade's Jade's probably. A bigger driver of that aspect than me like i want to put our children in a better position but jade's the one that's probably going to be uh, well i know for a fact jade's like so dominant in that part about 
putting discipline into our children and making sure that they do have that desire to want to be better. But you never know, because Greeks were were well-known travellers. There might have been a a Greek there somewhere in Jamaica. You never know. (laughs) Perhaps. But I definitely, I also think, though, that, you know, it's it's one thing to want your kids to do better than you. I think think most people who become parents want that for their kids. But I think where where culture and, and history come into that is is having a story behind why you want that so much for your children so that w- your kids actually understand okay this is why because I am Greek and because we have gone through suffering or because I am Jamaican and my a- ancestors were were slaves you know so it, it's it's like the culture aspect is is just as important as well 100%, in some ways 100%. Yeah. I, I, uh, so many years ago I was, I was working at a pub and there was um one of my mates working there, he was a Kiwi bloke, and he had a, had this thing for this Greek girl, and um, his dad wanted nothing to do with him, didn't want to bar him. He's not Greek, he's not worthy. And he says, yeah, that's not fair. I said, I understand that. And he goes, can you explain to me how he thinks why and why he doesn't want to do that? He said, and, I, and I explained to him, it's not you personally, okay? I said, it's not you personally. What it is is the fact that Greeks struggled for 450 years to keep their ethnicity and he doesn't want us to lose it later on. Of course, the world has become a different place, and it's a much smaller place now. So you, you get, you're hard-pressed to go anywhere without finding mixed cultures, which I think is a good thing. But that's why he didn't want his daughter to marry someone that wasn't Greek. You know what I mean? And after I explained that to him, he actually got on with the father to the point where he accepted him after that. You know what I mean? So they got on because... Mm-hmm understood the way that the father was thinking, saw it from his point of view, sympathized with it, then he became accepted. So it worked that one out. That's awesome. Well, well Sambo, uh, mate, we smashed through that. I think we can leave it there for today. And I think maybe we can do like a little part two next time as well. What do you reckon? Okay, well, mate, I even brought these books for you. Look at that. Stephen Fry, what's that? That's Mythos. What's that about? I mean, and this one here is all about the Greek heroes. So this starts off with all the Greek heroes. You've got Hercules there and all those well-known names and Theseus and all those guys. And this one is about the Greek gods and how they started and why they, there is the things there are. And it's fantastic. And I, I, you, you read through it and, and you giggle to yourself because you can see so much of today's society that started from this, even to, even with religion, everything. It's, it's just so much basis. In this thing here, I mean, I can't think of an example to give you now that's not elongated and take 15 years to explain, but maybe I'll I'll, I'll cut a a few snippets and mark a few pages and I'll show you and I'll tell you next time. But, yeah. You know what? Mark a few few bits and and let's do that next time. Let's go. Let's let's delve into some of those uh, myths and legends again. That would be fantastic. Good on you. So for those those that are listening that have – that are – Greek or or who just want to share a bit of Greek culture? Let's hear the the titles again, Sam. Mythos and what's the other book called? The first book is called Heroes. Uh, it's mortals and monsters, quests and adventures. And the second book he wrote was called Mythos: The Greek Myths Retold. And they're both by Stephen Fry, the well-known actor, comedian, uh, host. He's actually, like I said, he's, he's a huge Greekophile. He actually went to London uh, to the Parliament and asked. For them to return the marbles stolen from Greece, so this is a lot for him. But uh, yeah, well, and, and it's fun to the fun Brits. To read. The Brits. The Brits have stolen a lot of artifacts, haven't they? 
Well, that was all. They they didn't steal them. They claimed they bought them from the Ottoman Empire, but they bought them to mm. preserve them because the Ottomans have no had no um, uh, willingness to, to 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 keep them. They just wanted to get rid of them because they tried to get rid of Greek culture altogether. I mean, they destroyed all our history books. They destroyed everything. It's mm. crazy. Um, what I do want to speak to you about next time as well. Um, I want to go down the path in regards to the relationship that we have with some of the European nations like Turkey and like Germany. Um, well, thank you so for when we, Yeah, well, that's that's what I want to go down the path. So this was a nice little intro to who Sam is. Okay. And uh, next time we do one, that's the path I want to go down with you, if that's cool. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you, Sam. Thanks for your time today. No, thank you. I've loved that. It was fantastic. I'm looking forward to doing it again. <laughs>